Everyone has the ability to succeed, but do you have the willingness to fail? You have to have that willingness. You have to realize that if that success is something that you truly want, if you want a lot of money, fame, fortune, recognition, significance, certainty, generosity, gifts, whatever it is that you're seeking, there is going to be some learning lessons along the way. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr. And today I bring you Jeremy Newsom. Jeremy is the founder of Real Life Trading. It's a company designed to make trading, stock trading that is, accessible to everyone. But this is not an interview about trading. This is about taking risk. It's about your mindset. It's about your mindset for success. And most importantly, of course, it's about your mindset about failure. Not just little failures, but the big, epic, life-changing failures and how you handle them and how those are your catalysts for success. And you're saying, no, but Jim, my story's different. I had this other failure and you don't know the situation I'm in. Your situation is unique but I want you to listen to this with an open mind because this is an epic interview. I'm not going to give you any more backstory on Jeremy because we go through it in detail here. It's absolutely fascinating. It's a fun story to listen to. And man, it is enlightening. This guy's energy is contagious. All right, let's get into it. My interview with Jeremy Newsom. Tell us about your upbringing. <laughs> it was poor. It was poor and not tragically unhappy. A lot of people are like, oh man, I was unhappy. I was beaten. You know, I was a bad childhood. I had a great childhood. I loved everything about it. I just knew that I was poor <laughs> and that that was okay. But there was a certain point in my life where I can go back to vividly remembering where that kind of changed, where I realized that there was a different way to live. So I grew up in a place called Cleto, Georgia, which is about 30 minutes south of where they filmed Deliverance, if everyone's ever seen that movie. And 1994, Academy Award-winning film, Forrest Gump, comes out. I'm watching it with my dad and older brother. And in that movie, about 78% of the way through the movie, Forrest Gump says that him and Lieutenant Dan invest into a fruit company and no longer have to worry about money anymore. And I had never heard that phrase in my life. We don't have to worry about money anymore. I didn't know what that meant. I was intrigued by it. So I asked my dad, what's investing? What's the fruit company? And he did. He ended up telling me about Apple Computers told me how the stock market works, how investing works. And from a pretty young age, I got it. He did a good explanation. So I begged my dad, like, let's do this. Let's invest into some shares. Let's do exactly what Forrest Gump did. My dad was like, you know, gave the very popular excuses, right? We can't do that. We're poor. What am I going to do? Just go pick money from money tree and invest into Apple. So I begged him and begged him. And he eventually said, listen, if you bring me some money, I'll match it dollar for dollar. So I didn't have any resources at the time. I'm six. Out in the middle of nowhere, and this is a quote I would like your listeners to write down. It's not about your resources, it's about your resourcefulness. Because all I did was go, all right, how can I add value to people somewhere in the world by giving them some of my time? So I went and picked blackberries, sold them door to door, a dollar a bag. So, I mean, we're talking like 70% lower than retail anyway. And it was in person, six year old kid. Jean shorts, no shoes, pretty flawless delivery, if I do say so myself. So like if you had a pulse, you probably bought some Blackberries, made 1500 bucks that summer, man, from a bunch of old ladies, you know, give me like 10s and 20s just because I showed up at their door. True to his word, my dad matched that money. He borrowed some money from my uncle and we bought $3,000 of the Apple in 1994. What did that turn into? 
So right now it fluctuates, but it's around 36 million, give or take. Do you still have it? You you sold it, right? Yeah. I, I sold it $35.99 million ago. Yeah. <laughs> In 2000, we moved from Georgia to Florida. And I just kind of randomly asked my dad, like, hey, how's the investment doing? And we're up 400%. So I made $12,000 and he gave me $12,000 as a 12-year-old. I was like, here you go. And that was all the money in the world to me at the time. And he told me like, this is the greatest trade. This is the greatest investment you'll ever do in your life. You need to buy something safe with it. So we bought some bonds with that $12,000. And that $12,000 became $12,048 when I turned 18 and cashed in those bonds six years later. It's very intriguing like that I could have just done that one trade and I would have no longer had to worry about money ever again. Even though thankfully at this moment in my life, I don't, which is great, but full circle, it was just amazing how it all kind of came together. Yeah, it's funny. Now you think about it, it's like, yeah, if you'd have just hung on to it even now, I mean, that it would be an absurd amount of money, but then we wouldn't be standing here talking to each other today. You'd be the guy who did the one trick pony and got a little lucky. And and we like those stories. Like those, I shouldn't say we like them. We're, we're like intrigued by those stories. The guy who did the one trade and made a ton of money. And then we go, well, I mean, even in your situation, right? You know, 400% you made on your first trade, essentially your first stock purchase. And we go, well, I want to do that with every one of mine, but that's not always the path. It'd be nice to stand here. Or actually, probably wouldn't be nice to stand here and talk to you and you tell us about how easy your path was because we know that that's just not the truth. So you get this information, you learn, you have this experience and you make a bunch of money. And then what? What do you do with that information? What do you do with that knowledge and experience? So once I get the money, we buy the bonds. I asked my dad, like, what next? What do I do now? And everyone in my family had gone into the military, but we learned at a pretty early age that the military was not for me. So I knew that I wanted to be in stocks, finances. Me and my dad didn't know what that meant. So he said, go study money, go to a college, get a finance degree. That's what I did from 13 to 14. I started just putting my brain, okay, I'm gonna get good grades in school. When I turn 18, I'm gonna go to college and I'm gonna get a finance degree. And they're gonna teach me everything about investing, day trading, options, stocks, covered calls, collars. Like I'm going to learn all of this in college. I'm going to learn how to buy Apple and learn how to buy other companies and do the exact same thing I just did. And they did not. (laughs) That's not what I learned getting my finance degree. I did get a switch degrees and got a business management degree at the University of Florida, which I'm very thankful for. It was a great experience, but that institution was not designed to teach me what I was intrigued on learning, which was how to pick other apples right? How to find other stocks like that, buy them, hold on to them and make a bunch of money. So what next? Say, at what point did you get back into investing? So this was about 2008 and some change, getting relatively lucky, calling the bottom. I was unaware of what was going on. I was 18, 19, going into college, got a job at a company called Nationwide Insurance, which I'm sure you're probably familiar with, big company, Fortune 500 company. And they treated me very well. That company gave me a 401k. And I did learn one thing in finance class where they said something about 401ks can be self-directed. So I asked my boss and I asked my boss's boss, asked all these people, how do I self-direct my own 401k? Finally figured it out a few months later, studied a bunch and learned how I could, at the time, my fiduciary was Charles Schwab. Everyone knows who that is. I was trading my 401k self-directed through Charles Schwab. I heard on the news that silver was doing good. So my investment criteria went to Google and I typed in which silver stock to buy. The first page, the first listing was a company called First Majestic Silver. 
ticker symbol AG. It was SEO optimized. And uh, it's still around today. First Majestic Silver. And I bought it. There was $9,000 in my 401k at the time. I took all of that and bought some silver at $9. So I bought 1,000 shares. First Majestic Silver, three weeks later, went up to 12 and I sold it. And I made $3,000 in my 401k. Big problem with it though, Jim. Big problem. That was more money than I made in a month at work at the time. And all kinds of bells and alarms went off in my brain when that started happening. No one had ever even told me that that was possible. Right? I knew that you could buy some stock, you know, make money, whatever, over six, eight, 10 years. I knew that. I didn't know that you could buy and sell tax-free. I'm doing it through my retirement fund and make that kind of money that quick. That was incredible to me. So you go 2-0, right? First two real endeavors into the market here and you're crushing it. So now this is where you sail off into the sunset and everything is easy from, from here on out, right? Man, this is, this is where all kinds of amazing shifts in my life take place. Because it is at this time of my life, 19, 20, 21, where I realize something. I realize that I can ask people for money and one of two things will happen. Either say yes or no. Because I do, in my heart of hearts, want to help people. Because one thing I bring up very frequently about the Forrest Gump story, after he says that we don't have to worry about money anymore, do you remember what he does, Jim? He does a bunch of good work, like investing it in nonprofits and building schools and stuff like that, right? That's it, brother. That's 100% it. And that's what really in my heart of hearts was like, I want to make a bunch of money so I can build schools and hospitals and help people because that's what Forrest Gump did. And that's what I can do. That's what you can do with a lot of money. So I went around asking other people, hey, let me trade your money. I just made 36% return. I did it in less than a month. I will guarantee you I'll make you 36% return in less than a year. And I won't even take any money until after I make a 36% return. And I'll do it in your 401k. So this was a strong like close. Most people said yes. And so I raised in my network and friends and family $400,000 that I would access and trade other people's money, OPM. And I ended up turning that $400,000 into 1.2 million. So it was, man, sunset and rainbows. I did some ridiculous things with that money. I was on fire. I was the golden boy. I'm the baby of my family, the baby of six. I'm the only one that went to college, the only one that got a degree. I'm like, I'm the greatest. And then the failure comes. But this is the part that will never happen to anyone who doesn't try. Therefore, you'll never learn the greatest lesson. All failure is a gift. It is a future reward for what you're currently experiencing now. Quick interruption. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to get the notes, quotes, and links in the action plan from this episode. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. That's jimharshawjr.com slash action to get your free copy of the action plan. Now back to the show. I can't wait to reveal the rest of your story because it's fascinating for the listeners. But before this story goes on, listener, think about the failure that you've endured in your past, right? Maybe it was yesterday or last week or last year or a decade ago, whenever it was in your life that caused you to take your ball and go home, caused you to quit, caused you to think, oh, this apparently just isn't the right path for me that scared you back into safety or security when there's maybe some risk you should be taking now because maybe you have learned something that you would not have learned otherwise. 
The only way to experience something fantastic is to get information from an experience that you've never had before. So if we think about it for a moment, everyone has the ability to succeed, but do you have the willingness to fail? You have to have that willingness. You have to realize that if that success is something that you truly want, if you want a lot of money, fame, fortune, recognition, significance, certainty, generosity, gifts, whatever it is that you're seeking, there is going to be some learning lessons along the way. And mine was the silver bubble that ended up popping. I own the unofficial Guinness World Record for buying silver at its highest price ever. And I bought a lot of it. <laughs> a lot of silver at the highest price ever. And within weeks, I bought something called call options, which for those who are listening, these are very leveraged instruments that eventually expire worthless. So if they are not purchased and sold in the right amount of time with the right strategy, you can lose 100% of your investment. And that's what happened to me. I put a $1.2 million essentially on call options. And within uh, around my 21st birthday, within a few weeks of that, I lost all of it. All of it, dude. All of it. Like I could not pull the trigger. There was actually two hours before market expiration. I could have sold it for 16 grand, 1.2 million to 16 grand. Like I just sat there and was just mortified and didn't know what to do. And it was in a place of such fear and subconsciously what was happening is I was letting people down. And if I sold and realized the loss, I wasn't good enough. I was a failure. Everyone would know that I was a fraud, right? Imposter syndrome was taken over. How long have I really been doing this? How much do I really know about trading and investing? The answer was not a lot, but I'd only been doing it really essentially for like a, a year at this stage. And I was an idiot. I was a 21 year old, had a little bit of a problem with alcohol, moron. And if you're gonna make a mistake, do it as early as possible. If you're going to have losses, do it as early as you can so that you can learn from it and recover. And I did. I mean, I learned a very viable lesson. So I did call each investor, including my dad. $100,000 of this was my dad's money. All of his retirement, by the way. Like he had been putting money into retirement. His whole retirement was gone. Now, full disclosure, I wasn't like the biggest moron in the world because we had pulled out some money to send him on trips to Istanbul and Puerto Rico and Spain. So I pulled out probably $60,000, $70,000 along the way. So I wasn't a complete moron, but I mean, really, yeah, pretty much. So we lost all of his money and I called him. I said, hey, I'll pay you all back. And I'm going to do it with 36% interest. So I'm going to pay you back. Instead of a year, it's going to be 10 years. And so I borrowed $400,000 total. I did pay some people some money during this time. So I was like, I owe you guys $480,000. I'm going to pay you back over 10 years. 12 months out of a year, that's $4,000 every month that I'm going to pay. My primary question at that point, Jim, became how can I make $4,000 a month so that I can pay everybody back? So this is a moment that you share pretty easily in conversation on a podcast, but I imagine there's anxiety and sweat and fear and doubt and all of this going through your head, but you decide to go forward with this, with investing? Or did you think like, okay, I'm going to go get a safe job. I'm going to, what was the plan at that moment? It was both. It was both. It was like, wait a minute, let me do some safety. Like, let me do something I know I can make money at, which is working. I mean, you know, work is simple. Spend time working and you make money. I was like, I know I can do that. And I did that 120 hours a week, like a madman. But also I was still trading because I made one determination. I will figure this out. One of two things are going to happen. I'm going to die or I'm learning how to do this. There was no plan B. And I spent the money. I spent the time. I did webinars, seminars, books, 
I read more books on stock trading than most people will read in their lifetime. Just, just on this one little subject in the span of a couple of years, um, every seminar that I went to, live event, every hotel, all the conferences, I maxed out credit cards. I withdrew all the money from my 401k, cash advances, worked overtime, anything that I could do. And I still was working at the time. I was still paying everyone back their $4,000 a month. And I was just doing my best to learn how to not only make more money as a human through working, but also how to make money trading, how to make it successfully, how to learn that process. And dude, that was hard. That was very hard. Uh, it took really essentially, I would boil it down to four years from 20 to about 24 for me to get it, for it to click, for it to understand, wait a minute, buy low, sell high, got it. And not to overcomplicate this process and boil it down to second grade math. And so at 24, I did. I ended up quitting Nationwide and going to another job in sales, essentially, working there, but also honing my craft of trading for another two years while I was working and just paying back all parties involved. And there's a point at which you had to actually meet a, a sketchy guy in a parking lot. Tell us that story. Yeah. So that was essentially rock bottom. A lot of people, they ask like, what was rock bottom for you? I'm like, man, rock bottom was a crappy Kroger parking lot with a bunch of cracks in it, like that gray pavement with the speed bumps and like, it's all cracked. Like I know what rock bottom looked like, man, because I was there and yeah, I had to borrow $12,000 paper bag money from a dude with a gun. It was more like, like, Hey, if you don't pay me back, I'm like, I'm gonna kill you essentially. And that was real. And so when you're talking about putting stress on somebody, I, here's the crazy part, man. I manifested it. Remember I said earlier, it's either succeed or die. I put death as an actual possibility which is insane. Never do this, please. Like, this is so dumb. But it required that level of pain for me to learn what to do. One of my best friends names Tony. He tells this great story where he did something similar. And he said that most people will say that if you jump, God will catch you unless you need to hit rock bottom and God knows you'll survive it. And so one of those two things is going to happen. You got, you got to jump and you're either going to get caught or not, but you're going to be fine if, if God knows <laughs> that everything's going to work out in the end. So that was a really a beautiful metaphor for what happened to me because, yeah, man, I, I did. I need to hit rock bottom to learn all my lessons. I did have to borrow $12,000. And with that $12,000, I did something called leveraged account trading. For $12,000, I got access to $1.2 million. And it sounds horrifically super legal and terribly sketchy. It's not really. Because the only money that I could have lost was $12,000. Now, granted, this was the last, I had no other money. So there was no way I could lose that 12,000. So even though I was trading and I had access to $1.2 million of leveraged money to trade with, I was probably only trading about $100,000 of that money for the first two or three months just to slowly work up a cushion so that I could make all this money back. So that was the process. So you learned, you failed. You went all in on learning how to get this back. And then you created a, a process, a framework, a system for yourself. And once you created this system, I've heard you talk about these sort of, I call them guardrails, putting these things in place to make yourself follow your system. Because I've talked to a lot of friends over the years who they're day traders, they're investors, and they have systems. But the challenge is following even their own system, right? They get their emotions into it and they make bad trades and they go against their own system. You had a framework in place for this. I call this instant negative feedback. Actually, I got this from Dr. Gilbert, Dr. Rob Gilbert. And for the listeners, 
way back in episode 33, I interviewed Dr. Gilbert. He's the host of the Success Hotline, leaves a short motivational message on his voicemail every single day since, get this, since 1991, every single day. But this concept of instant negative feedback, Dr. Gilbert's become a friend. He shares this is, for example, the smoker who's trying to quit, like if you smoke cigarettes today, you're not going to get cancer for you know decades from now. But if you smoke a cigarette today and you get cancer like this afternoon, you're going to quit. <laughs> you know, that's like instant pain, right? Instant pain. So what was, talk about your framework and your guardrails that you had in place for yourself and the things that you made yourself do if you didn't follow your framework. Yep. Great question, man. And the beautiful part about it is it's the following. That's what most people fail at. Kind of like you mentioned, you can tell anyone to do anything. They'll tell themselves, but if they don't do it, it won't work. Just like working out, like physical fitness. That's why I like it a lot because if you do it, you'll see the results. <laughs> it, it, it's science. So that's winning. Winning is a scientific success formula that you can replicate. It is not hard. Most people say, well, financial success is so easy. How come everyone doesn't have it? It's easier not to. That's why. So for me, my framework was one of my biggest ones. Hi, I'm impulsive. My name is Jeremy, and I love doing things immediately, spontaneously, with no plan of action at all. <laughs> and uh, I had to create a rule, my number one rule. When I get into a trade, walk away for two hours. Now, if you're listening, you might go, if you're day trading, Jeremy, how can you do that? Well, there are systems in place. There are capabilities that any broker can set up where you have the ability to get in, get out, without even being by the computer. So once I got into a trade, I walked away for two hours. That was it. That was my number one rule. And so when I got into a trade, I would be able to say, did I walk away? And the answer was yes, habitually, all the time. So then my number two is how much risk am I going to take per trade? So I need to know how to calculate that and make sure that my risk was the exact same every single time. What is my risk? So once I knew my risk, I kept that the same on every trade. I started coming up with these certain rules. And then if I did not follow some rules, like another one was do not trade in the first five minutes of the day. So wait until 9.35 a.m. Eastern before I get into a trade. Because again, impulsiveness, making sure I was waiting, making sure I was planning. All these rules were designed to, for me not to be an idiot. It was to prevent me from doing things that I know I want to do because everyone wants money, success, fame, fortune, and a six pack immediately without doing any work. All right, that's what we all want. It's human nature. It's human tendency. It's not that you're greedy. It's just that you want to provide resources for your family. That's truly you know, the human belief and the human condition that we live in. So that being the case, I just had to create as many rules as I could to keep myself from being massively impulsive. And if I did not follow those rules, I would inflict physical pain. Yeah. Talk to, tell us what kind of physical pain. Usually body waxing of some kind. So <laughs> everything from the forehead down, dude, I've been bald a million times. I've had all the hair from everywhere that grows waxed at some point or another. I ended up paying, man, European wax salon like $3,000 one year because it's painful, dude, and embarrassing. <laughs> so doing that, I've escalated it a little bit since then where now it's like people might have to to give money to the opposite political party of their choice, or they have to donate their favorite pairs of shoes, or they have to clean their kitchen or toilets with a toothbrush, right? Go through a list of things that people probably don't want to do and determine, did you follow your rules? And if you didn't implement some pain and it will, pain's a great teacher. Is there a mindset piece to this? You know, is it just 
following the rules, but do you also have to believe you, you mentioned the word manifesting before? I mean, what's the mindset? Because you grew up poor and didn't necessarily have a, a role modeling of investing and making a lot of money. Talk about the mindset piece. I think what it boiled down to is I had to realize what I was making the money for. That was the big distinction for me. A lot of people want to make money. They don't know why though. They have a general idea. Pay off my house, have no debts, give more money to my family, blah, blah, blah. Th those are all basic. Those are easy answers. Money's not going to come to you if you're not creative, right? Money follows creative people. That's why the best musicians in the world get paid the most because the most creative. It's coming up with a real amazing plan. And for me, it was how to impact and help other people like Forrest Gump. When I started making and trying to trade for just me to how much money can I make, I self-sabotaged a lot because I did not want that much money. I didn't feel like I deserved that much money. I didn't feel like I was worth that much money, all the fun things. But when I started saying, okay, how many people can I help? And I only have this amount of resources, but if I get 10X these resources, I can help 35X more people. Yeah, did that jazz me up? And when I started putting my money on the line and donating and giving and putting in my money and my time to really, really, really help amplify my direction where I wanted to go in life, trading became a lot easier, a lot easier. And that's what propels me to this day. So I did end up creating Real Life Foundation, where we give hundreds of thousands of dollars to nonprofits, charities, other organizations, NGOs, to just really help further their causes and their beliefs. and and enrich lives at a deep, deep level that money can do. And when you can create it easily and simply, and you have that belief and you have that reason and that rationale, it's amazing what will happen. What habits do you have now, Jeremy, that you feel have really set you apart? Things that you do maybe on a daily basis, maybe it's weekly, monthly, annually, things that you do that have set you apart and have really helped you achieve success. Two things. Number one, I prioritize my time very strategically. So what a lot of people will do is when they sit down, they go, all right, work, family, church, you know, beliefs, whatever. They, they come up with their things. I have learned that it's very important to be what's called selfful, not selfish, but selfful. Number one, I prioritize myself. A lot of people don't. A lot of people give, 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 and they're empty all the time. They just walk around empty. I prioritize myself, man. What makes me happy? This is brand new. This is within the last three years, okay? Number one, what do I want? How am I happy? If I'm happy, my family's happy, and I know this. Number two, family time. Schedule that out. 10 minutes here, 30 minutes here, hours there, weekends here, days here. Family time is the second priority. And then third, I start creating experiences, things that I want to do with my family, with other friends. And then number four is work. Work is the lower of the priorities. Most people have this whole pyramid upside down. This goes with their priorities, what they want to do, what is good for them last. Then number two, every single month I do hard things because I've changed my vocabulary and my beliefs around everything that involves the word hard. I no longer work hard, right? I don't even work. I play a lot. So I don't work hard anymore. I just play a lot. I've changed that belief. I've changed those words. I've changed the definitions of my life, everything that involves around hard. So now I have to choose hard. I pick the hard that I do in my life because everything else is so easy. My relationship with my wife is so easy. The relationship with my kids is so simple. Making money is a breeze. 
So everything else, I choose the hard that I do. Every month, man, I do things physically that would surprise most people. And I just carve out every single month a new challenge that I'm doing for myself on a physical basis that I continue to choose what's hard, know that it's available, and know that I'm choosing the easy route in life. What are a couple of the things that you've done, some of the hard challenges that you can brag about a little bit? I want to hear them. You get, this is your chance to brag. Oh, cool, man. Thanks. I love bragging. <laughs> okay. So this past December, I did the calendar club, which is where you run the mile of the month. So it's over 400 and it's almost 500 miles in December. So in the first, you run a mile, second, two miles, third, three miles. So for the listener, you can do the math. I don't know if you can or not, but that's it's a freaking lot of miles. <laughs> it was a lot of miles, man. It gets really, really hard at the very uh, last part. And then February, I did the calendar club for push-ups or did 100 push-ups times the day. So 100, 200, 300, 400. So that month, it was over 40,000 push-ups in the month of February. April, I did 10,000 push-ups in a day. So in one 24-hour period, which is 500 push-ups an hour for 20 hours. And then right now, man, I just started training for an Ironman. My first Ironman, I did a half Ironman from my first time ever last weekend. I have a full Ironman at the end of September. And then in November, I'm doing a Murph of the day. So I'll do the Murph workout every single day for the whole month. A Murph a day for the whole month? A Murph a day, yep. So we'll just, meaning like just one Murph every day. I'm not going to do... 30 Murphs. <laughs> oh, just one, just one Murph. That's like so One weak. Murph per day, man, every day. Yeah, so I, I like picking things and just and coming up with things that seem impossible. Next year, I would love to push a car for a marathon. That sounds pretty terrible. So I would love to do that as well. That sounds horrible, but freaking awesome. Love it, man. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Love it. I love the mindset. I love the lifestyle. You know, you talk about effortless. Gregory McEwen, who's been a guest on the podcast a couple of times, wrote the book Effortless uh, and Essentialism. And, you know, he talks about this concept of, you know, there are things that are hard work, but how do you make them inspired action? You know what I mean? That's, that's really what this is for you. It's like you're taking hard work and, you know, what other people might look at as hard work. And it's like, it's inspiring to you, right? Making money is inspiring because you get to help so many people and doing these hard things is inspiring. But it's, uh, I imagine because you get to push yourself and, and test your limits. So love it, man. You're an inspiring guy to talk to. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much, man. Honor and privilege to be here, Jim. How can people find you, follow you, et cetera? I think the easiest way is just contact on whatever social media platform that you guys use. I have, you, you know, all of them I'm on social media. So Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, but my stock market education company, if you ever want to hear more about my story, but most specifically learn everything that I know for free, because I don't charge for it, go to reallifetrading.com and take a class or take all the classes and get as much knowledge and insight and wisdom as you want regarding the stock market. Excellent. Jeremy. Fantastic. Thank you for making time to come on the show. My pleasure, brother. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you want to apply these principles into your life, let's talk. You can see the limited spaces that are open on my calendar at jimharshawjr.com slash apply, where you can sign up for a free one-time coaching call directly with me. And don't forget to grab your action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. And lastly, iTunes tends to suggest podcasts with more ratings and reviews more often. You would totally make my day if you give me a rating and review. Those go a long way in helping me grow the podcast audience. Just open up your podcast app if you have an iPhone, do a search for success through failure, select it, and then scroll the whole way to the bottom where you can leave the podcast a rating and a review. 
Now, I hope this isn't just another podcast episode for you. I hope you take action on what you learned here today. Good luck and thanks for listening.